I'm here with Ali Raid now, um, who was the, the second competitor in the finals here at the third stop on the Pro Tour. So, Ali, how are you feeling? Good, actually. But it's not over yet. Too bad. <laughs> I don't know. Feeling great, I guess. Now, you obviously are playing a very quick deck, um, and your opponent's playing a slower deck than you. How do you feel of that matchup between the two decks? I don't know. If I can sweep him out early, he's dead. But if he can make it through mid-game, probably win. Which he didn't those two games. So, what is your strategy um, for playing him? What, 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 do you, what do you need to do? Uh, obviously, you want to be fast, but what else do you need to do, do you think, to, to take the third game? I don't know. Get the lands, put out the spiders, sweep him. Hey, kids. I am here with David Chambers and Åland. Oh, I don't know why she's leaving, know where she gotta go. I guess she got a reason, but I just don't wanna know. Cause for 24 years I've been living next door to Alice. <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> that was brilliant, Sam. This is Monster of the Week, constructing old school magic. I am Seb. I need a chill from 93 Yeah, this is how we chill from talking about today well uh, today we're talking about bad songs uh, no we're not actually we are talking about um, david chambers mono red tournament winning uh, ice age alliances deck uh, but since it's ice age alliances and not old school we're gonna start by talking a bit about the format at least yeah so welcome david thanks Seb, and thanks holland and for what I gathered, you started with this like maybe a couple of years ago? Yeah, I think it was 2018. And uh, what was the thought process behind getting into this block constructed? Is it right? Yeah, I don't remember exactly what got me thinking about Ice Age, um, but as you know, I love brewing and I've brewed a lot of weird decks in, in old school. Um, but it was starting to annoy me that uh, every experiment was costing me thousands of euros. And I do really admire the people in the old school space who commit to one deck and you know lovingly tune it over, over years and years. Uh, but I tend to build one bad deck after another and then sort of get sick, get sick of it as soon as I realize it's a terrible idea. <laughs> um, and Ice Age is full of really strange cards that just, you know, demand to be, to be brewed with and they cost virtually nothing. So you can have a bad idea, spend, you know, 10 euros buying dozens of cards, put them together, yeah. shuffle them, play once or twice, and then build something else. So that was the appeal for me. You made me spend 
tens of dollars this past days. So I really feel for the, for my wallet right now. Uh, and yeah, so that was like you wanted a, in a way, a larger space also because with new cards in your in which you could make your brews from, yeah. but also like the. Uh, there must be somewhere also where you got into like the, because I think maybe the last set I actually played back in the nineties was like round Mirage or something. Mm. Uh, I'm terrible at set orders, but so uh, I imagine you also yeah, have so like the. Ice Age is nostalgic for me and that I think yeah. is part of the appeal of it. Um, I think the first time I ever saw Magic played was Two, two friends playing with two Ice Age starter decks. Um, and I remember going home that night and having a memory of the cards having that kind of white and light blue back, um, hmm. which the, the starter deck had. Anyway, yeah. in my mind, all the Ice Age cards had that back. And I, I, I knew at that point that most Magic cards had brown backs and I was actually really confused as to how these Ice Age cards could be played in a deck with, uh, you know, cards from other sets. But I just obviously misremembered. Uh, but I have oh, that yeah, early okay. memory. And then I have a memory of uh, going on holiday with a friend and he had just a few, a few cards and we were playing uh, on the floor of, you know, some basement or something in his like holiday home or whatever. And I remember that he had a scaled worm and that was pretty sweet. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I mean, the, the set is nostalgic for me. And then uh, I, uh, I think Alliances was the first set that I remember sort of the pre-release hype for. Um, oh. I remember, you know, being in the card store and seeing Baldovian Horde and, you know, we knew it yeah. was coming and it was so exciting. And then, yeah, the hype of seeing someone open Lake of the Dead. And yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, uh, and like a creature being, okay, it has some kind of drawback, but <laughs> you, you don't, you, you maybe you skim past that because that Jusum Jin also has a drawback, yeah, right? Yeah, it was the red, the red version being, of that. How can something so big cost so little to cost? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I remember that also. Uh, well, and when did you get into... Yeah, I... Actually, I, I got into Magic uh, when they still sold revised. I bought maybe one or two starters, and then I bought uh, some amount of 4th edition. But for me, I said it's very nostalgic as well, because it was the first set that I actually bought a lot from. I've, I bought actually bought the display, uh, and I remember, I remember this very clearly. I brought over a friend. Uh, he was much older than me, but he was a really nice guy. And we just spent like six hours trading cards from our displays. And it's like, yeah, I want this card and you want this card. And it's like... So we had, he had bought, bought his own display and you yeah. were like, okay. We had each bought a display. And we. I remember, yeah. he, I remember even his like big bag with his cards he brought. And we just uh, sit in my parents' living room and... and and traded card for like five six hours. Uh, I remember this very mm. vividly. Uh, yeah, so. I think Ice Age was like the first set. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That was meant to be like a standalone set, also that Richard Garfield created or co-created. Is that right? 
I think so. I mean, aside from the mountain and Arabian Nights, it's the first set with basic lands. Yeah. I I, um, I actually think, uh, I don't know if this is true or if this is something I dreamt that uh, Isage was designed to be released a lot earlier than it was. Uh, I yeah, think that's okay. was, uh, my understanding it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you got into this again after a long while, I guess, uh, David. And uh, I remember you carrying around, like, <laughs> you had, was it an Ice Age? Not a, what, what kind of box are, boxes are those? People have those. Yeah, just the long white It's like a gift boxes. box, is it? Or what, what, what was, did you buy them as a box back in the day? Or was it like, it's not a... Because it's not a, like, did you get boosters in it? Do you remember even? Or? I think I know the box that you're talking okay. about. <laughs> um, let me grab it, won't be a second. Okay. But, but Ola, you must know these boxes that, like, cardboard boxes that yep. you flip up. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because um, I, I don't think I had an Ice Age one, but I had some other ones. Uh, yeah, there it is. Yeah. Okay. So it says Ice Age, and it's uh, like this. Oh, okay, it's a, but yeah. you, it's homemade. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, I, yeah. I made up my own in my own mind. I made like yeah, what because, you did with your backside of the cards. <laughs> uh, I think you're talking about the boxes that come came a bit later, like the okay. f- the French boxes with like art from Magic cards from yeah. the, for for each color. Uh, and then they released a second batch of those. I have a couple of those, even back from like Grand Prix Stockholm '98. I got them. Uh, yeah. You could you got them as prizes for for some side events and stuff. Because I like remember a lot of merch kind of stuff coming out of Ice Age. Also, I remember Jester's Cap, like uh, being. Uh, what what other cards were like the front cards being shown up on i don't know it was it like binders and some stuff that was affiliated with isage right well one of the strange things is the cards that they chose to put on the booster packs so yeah there was a jester's cat booster i think a pygmy allosaurus the dinosaur with swamp walk and then the strangest one is the art from carplus and yeti has a yeti (laughs) um between two figures and they took the woman's face there are two just two humans in the foreground and they took the woman's face and they used that as one of the um as one of the booster uh covers and the funny thing is that is now the thing that i see when i look at the yeti i never noticed the yeti in the background i just (laughs) see the woman from the booster packs and think ah you know there she is Mm. so Ice Age and alliances. What 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 are the rules set? How do we go about playing it today? Then it's pretty straightforward. We use modern rules, and all the cards from Ice Age and alliances are legal except for the one anti card. Yeah, the what was it? The amulet of Quas. Amulet was it? Yeah. I don't know what it does, but I think it's <laughs> terrible. And the, Probably. yeah, but. There's a lot of cards in Ice Age that seem terrible, like the, they're a bit like, yeah, Richard Garfield designed, I guess. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of rules, texts, and mm-hmm. we're, we're getting to that later on because you built some decks that uses some of the cards that today wouldn't necessarily be seen played like back then. Am I right? 
I would say so, yeah. I mean, some of the cards people probably didn't have enough time to figure out before new sets came out and, you know, time moved on. But that's one of the nice things about going back to these old sets is that we can explore every single card given enough time. Hmm. So why would you want to get into the Alice format, would you say? I think people are interested in it for different reasons. Um, I'm quite a competitive player and I like the idea of having a format to explore that wasn't really explored properly in the first place. Um, if we were to go back to, I don't know, Urza Saga or something, even just a few years after Ice Age Block, there was a proper pro tour um, yeah. back then and you know, really great minds tried to solve that. Whereas um, all you need to do is watch uh, the final of the, the pro tour <laughs> for this format to realize you know, both players in the finals brought suboptimal decks to the table and, you know, there were more misplays on one side than on the other, but um, I'm pretty sure Ula would be the first to admit that his his deck was not optimally built and he probably needed a few more lands. Um, but yeah, it's 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 fun for competitive players, I think, to, to try to really solve an unsolved format, but then it's also a fun format for people who just love uh, strange cards and want to build decks around weird cards like Dreams of the Dead, bring back their minion of Leshrac and use their circle of protection black to <laughs> stop it from uh, harming them. There are, there are just weird things and quite a few of the players who uh, have picked up picked up Alice are interested in building those, those weird contraptions. Yeah, um, they don't straight go for the like main tier main one line. decks yeah yeah I, i think there's a there's a lot going for this format especially if you i guess me play like um, old school and uh, pre-modern with really strong cards you get to play a slow format with really bad especially really bad creatures and it's abysmally slow and you can't like it's hard to tempo someone out and it's As you, as you might hear, it's hard to win with Necro. It's not that straightforward as everyone thinks. Uh, mm. uh, and it's like, yeah, you get to play Toy and Glaciers. That in itself is fun. Yeah. And uh, the format is, it's not that just that it's slow. You can also uh, do more stuff. It's not like, because... Uh, I saw they played like some beta, uh, I don't know, was it a draft or something a couple of years ago? They had like this because of, they took a trip down memory lane and some of the players going for Pro Tour, I don't remember, they played some beta and those games, those were slow. And that's how if you, because like creatures aren't that powerful and, but they were also really one-sided in a way and i wouldn't say this format seems like to be that way right no, i would say this is a really interesting kind of slow format um you do get games where you get to play all 60 cards and you have to line up your cards against your opponent's 60 cards better a lot of games are won by decking um, mm. and just to give you an example of a really interesting situation that came up for me 
a few nights ago. I was playing with a, a pox deck that was splashing blue and splashing red. And the blue splash was mainly for Arcane Denial, which I was mainly using as a draw spell. And in this particular game, um, I ended up with four cards in my library, uh, shuffling and then um, holding two Arcane Denials in my hand. I had one Lava Burst left uh, to try to win with. I didn't end up drawing it until the last turn. And the problem was I thought I would win because I had the double Arcane Denial um, backup, but my opponent the turn before I drew the Lava Burst played Zurin Orb. And I could mm. not let that resolve because that would have put my opponent out of range of Lava Burst. So I had yeah. to fight over the orb and my opponent had two arcane denials of their own and so my arcane denials got blanked by by theirs and then the game ended with me on the last turn of the game um casting pox sacrificing all my lands in response casting another pox and then casting a lava burst for nine uh, but because my <laughs> opponent had resolved the orb um, he was able to sacrifice all of his lands in response to my second pox and he ended the game on i think five life Okay. <laughs> but what was interesting was that I looked yeah. back at my graveyard and I remembered a decision that I had made probably 20 turns earlier, which was I'd played Icequake on my opponent's Thorn Glaciers. He decided to uh, use a counterspell on that. And then I decided to Arcane Denial my own Icequake to turn it into a draw three. And so I may have lost the game because I quote-unquote, wasted an Arcane Denial by using it as an Ancestral uh, mm. when I should have been saving it. And by the end of the game, I was doing everything I could to actually avoid drawing cards. So, yeah, the, the whole mindset becomes different when you start thinking that, okay, eventually I'm going to draw every card in my deck and certain cards become a lot worse in that situation. Yeah, um, You start looking at a card like Browse and thinking... This is not a card drawing engine. This is like a, I'm going to deck myself more quickly engine. <laughs> um, yeah, so. but, but also like getting the more powerful cards earlier, maybe. I don't know. But also it's not a, an explosive format, like you already mentioned. So right. there are like variables. And as we mentioned earlier, you said about like how it, it's evolving on a, like a different timeline now yeah <laughs> and that also includes like people playing other decks and the sideboarding differently against that meta in a way so it's it's kind of the same way for old school uh, old school magic is not what it was like back in 93 94 uh, so i think it's really i i enjoy the possibility of playing new stuff still being like an old format in a way and if we're doing that can we just mention for the people that maybe wasn't around or hasn't delved into the format like what are the like big three, four uh, decks, would you say? That well, Necro is definitely one of the top decks. 
Um, I mean, the format has Necro, Dark Ritual, Demonic Consultation, and Knight Lake of Strongheld, Lake of the Dead. Yeah, it yeah. has some powerful cards. Abyssal Spectre, playable, not not dominant, but um, the the weaknesses of the deck are really in the in the life game department. Zero Orb is amazing, mm. uh, but Soulburn compared to say Corrupt, Soulburn is just so much less efficient, and it can be really difficult for a, a Necro deck to to actually. Um, stay afloat and Orland may have something to say about that but a lot of a lot of necro games end up with the player getting necro locked um so that's definitely one of the top decks uh counterpost i think is probably the best the best deck in the format at least hmm. the best that we've discovered so far is it blue white and red or is it like just blue yeah, white and something i think or? most people splash red for stone rain because hmm. being able to win the glaciers wars is so important and also in the mirror i imagine destroying outposts is yeah. uh, really nice and two for oneing yeah um then there are various um sort of spiders decks uh, i'm not saying those are necessarily good decks but people play them and stormbind is a good card yeah um and then there are quite a few graveyard um graveyard centric cards yeah yep. you have death spark and ashen ghoul and krovik and horror so red black graveyard is is quite common it's one of the ideas that most people are excited to try when they first play and lindell's paladin is surprisingly good um it evades circles of protection it doesn't um yeah it doesn't uh doesn't come unstuck to to many of the um to many of the things that turn out to be problems for other other creatures that one might play um and the drawback of discarding a card each turn fits in nicely with that deck and then i'd say the last big group of decks is the jockle hops decks yeah i mean the classic one being ivory gargoyle jockle hops but um back in 2018 i organized a small event back in auckland and uh, someone came up with the idea of using Orcish Lumberjack um, to build sort of a combo hops deck, which was using fast mana to get to essentially get to nine mana, play hops mm. floating three, and then um, drop, you know, some some threat like Baldurian Horde um, yeah. afterwards. Um, so yeah, there are quite a few different decks that I think are all pretty competitive. Yeah, and there are some cards you already mentioned some of them being like in the center of most of the decks necro is maybe clearly <laughs> for the black decks and uh, uh, you mentioned some uh, yeah like Baldurian, some of the creatures that are more seen than others maybe uh, but wouldn't you also say that the there are a lot of cards like the sideboard options makes the games really varied because of the pyroblast and your hydroblast and mm -hmm. the uh, yeah and really powerful uh, cards that as you mentioned maybe necro uh Orland, you played some necro uh you can like stop it in a tracks it's not a combo deck that 
they would be today if someone would built it in a like modern format because you just draw a bunch of cards and go off and that's not what this format does usually no. maybe you go go off is being yukal hopes and having a creature in play after like an ivory gargoyle or something well going off with necro is playing turn one towing glaciers and not dark ritual necropotence if you play dark ritual necropotence turn one you want to draw a glacier you don't have it in your hand that's what i learned during my tournament i've only played this once so uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a bit different. Uh, I like the format that it's so different from all other formats of Magic I play. Hmm. The tempo is so different. Uh, yeah, and you use the mana in another other way also. And it's uh, like and like if if you play a deck, you play four towing glaciers, whatever. I I I'm never gonna play a deck without four towing glaciers. Uh, and I'm never gonna play a deck without land destruction. That, that's mm. like my thing of the format. Uh, what I've learned from this tournament. And that, even though there's many different decks you can play, that also makes some cards that maybe don't, you don't usually see play being played. Or like, tell me about Lodestone uh, Bauble, <laughs> for example. Uh, how how does it even work? Why do people play it? Well, Lodestone Bauble is a zero mana artifact that lets you uh, pay one mana and sacrifice it to put up to four basic lands from target player's graveyard on top of their library. Um, and then that player draws a card at the beginning of the next turn's upkeep. Um, it's surprisingly relevant in this format because um, some decks are capable of setting up uh, more or less like a Thawing Glacier's Zirin Orb engine, where every turn they can play a Thawing Glacier's from hand, activate one from play, um, and eventually they will run out of um, lands to fetch. So yeah. um, in that so situation... it's a regrowth in a way then. Yeah, it's, I mean, very best case scenario, that's kind of like a draw nine uh, in a necro deck in a certain situation because obviously you draw one from the bauble you also indirectly can gain eight life um, and that's pretty sweet um, the other thing to do with it obviously is to play it with jockle hops and then you can uh, play hops just play one land afterwards play the the bauble and set up four more land drops um, yeah and there are also quite a few cards in the format that incentivize playing baubles. Um, it's mainly Elkin Bottle and Arcane Denial. Um, and, but there are other cards as well, like Pox is another card that will push you towards playing artifacts that you can get onto the board quickly and turn into cards later in the game. Hmm. So, uh... Because a lot of the decks, even <laughs> like in the finals, you mentioned like well, uh, he played uh, both baubles, I guess, uh, the Ursa's baubles and the Lowstone bauble, uh, and it would seem weird if I would not like understand the format if just glancing at it. It's like why are you playing those cards when you can like even play out a bunch of creatures or have another threat or uh, so the reasoning being like you 
what what does Ursus Bauble do? You you draw an extra. You look at opponent's random card and you draw an. It's a slow trip, right? Yeah, yeah. Ursus Bauble is a card that I loved early on when I was building decks for this format, and I decided I needed to have twenty because I was putting four in every deck at the time. <laughs> and now I don't have Ursus Bauble in any of my decks. Okay. Um, yeah, seeing one card at random. Uh, sometimes actually makes a difference. Um, you know, there are times when you get to see a key sideboard card or something that you think they only have one or two copies of, and in those situations you can play differently. Um, but I'm of the sort of William Larson school of thought, which is that actually playing a lot of these slow trips um, is really bad, and the more you play, the worse they are, because you end up you have to cut lands. If you're not cutting any lands at all, then you're just filling up your deck with cards that do nothing. And actually your deck is far too mana heavy at that point. So you have to mm. cut some lands as you add cantrips. The problem with these cantrips is they, uh, they don't help you uh, turn one and they don't help you with mulligan decisions. So you can end up with hands that are like one basic land and three versus baubles. And yeah. That's probably a keep, but then if you miss your second land drop, you're probably out of that game. Well, not necessarily, given this format. You've probably got 10 turns to recover. But yeah, you yeah, still, okay. you, you don't like being in those positions. Uh, whereas a card we, like We do have like white weenish decks and those that can punish you also, but uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and, the, and green, green decks can be aggressive. You can mm -hmm. face turn to Yavimaya Ants, potentially, yeah. um, from Tinderwall. So, yeah, there are some aggressive openings. Uh, but you mentioned the mana. Maybe we should end on that before we start discussing like your deck and that. But uh, how does it differ when you need to play... You need to play basic lands, right? Because of the Thorn Glaciers. Mm -hmm. And... Do you need more lands or less lands? What, how do you count with like a Thorn Glaciers? Is that a land or is it a half a land or it's is it three lands? It's definitely a full land. Um, yeah. And it also encourages playing basics to the point that um, in this Pox deck that I've been experimenting with, initially I just had one uh, Underground River and one Sulphurous Springs uh, because... I really just wanted to maximize on basics. And I think that might even be wrong. I think maybe I should be playing um, all basics uh, because the games do go long. And if one player has say six pain lands in their deck and the other player doesn't have any, then that actually um, does play, play a part in the late game. I mean, the worst feeling in the world is to have say like three glaciers between your hand and play you've already got more glaciers than you need mm -hmm. um, you've already thinned your deck of all the basic lands and then you draw an underground river it just it feels terrible yeah um so yeah there's actually uh quite good mana fixing in this format uh but not in the form of lands it mainly comes in the form of barb sextant um which is just a, a cantripping artifact that lets you add one mana of any color to your pool. Um, so I think between Thawing Glaciers and Barb Sextant, it's not so important to play a lot of uh, dual lands. Um, when I say dual lands, all we have is pain lands and only <laughs> allied colored pain lands yeah. at that. 
Um, so yeah, there are definitely deck building constraints. If you want to build a deck around Feldegriff or something, uh, you're going to end up playing a lot of um, a lot of pain lands. But I actually prefer to play decks that are only one or two colors, so that I can yeah. get more value from throwing glaciers. Your most uh, famous decks, I would say, are the one color decks, and you do like the restrictions, right? I do, yeah, yeah. And it's partly no. because in the old school space, uh, the only dual land that I have four copies of is Tropical Island. So I tend to try to just play mono, mm. mono decks. Yeah. yeah. Well, and how do you feel about like, the, you played Necro? Uh, do you want to mention anything more about Necro decks? Like in the format or how do you go about when you build uh, Ice Age decks? Do you, do you go to the old lists? Can you even do that? Like net no, deck from... No, uh, I actually I've only built a Necro deck. That's the only deck I built. And um, uh, there I took a lot of the obvious cards and then added some. I mean, I think I was at like, okay, these 60 cards are 100% obvious in the in the total 75. And I was like, yeah, now I can spice it up a bit with what I want. That mm. was my building. Because I wanted, the first time I played it, I wanted to play something that was fairly straightforward, in a sense. Uh, I knew, knew what my plan was, or I thought I knew what my plan was. It ended up uh, seven matches where I mostly hoped that my soul burns would kill my opponents and my creatures did nothing. Um, which was uh, kind of weird, um, but yeah, that's that's how this format goes. Uh, the creatures tend to die. <laughs> uh, yeah, and you, that's how you win with creatures mostly, or the killer and outposts, or decking, <laughs> yeah. right? Or, uh, but okay, so uh, we have some. We have a deck that you brought to uh, to the table today and that you played you you guys you've been playing some alice and if you're playing how do you go about today are there tournaments or how how long have you been going on with that yeah i don't know when the first event was uh, probably sometime early 2019 um i'm guessing uh, but there's now a Discord server uh, with a few dozen people on it. And yeah, we don't really call these monthly events because they sometimes take more than a month and it's not in between totally regular. Uh, well, the event itself can take more than a month to play out. Uh -huh, okay, yeah, because um, it's online and you need to, it's not a day yeah, event. Yeah, we, yeah. Just do, we just do double elimination tournaments that seem to work pretty well because either you're doing well and you're excited about playing more matches or you don't do so well and mm. then you get to you know you get to think about your deck for the next month yeah um so yeah you only ever get two losses so you're you're either feeling feeling good or you're not feeling great but you don't have <laughs> many games to play yeah. Um, so we don't have problems with people dropping after you know two rounds once they realize they can't make top eight that kind of thing mm -hmm. um, and most people are just keen to have someone to play uh, against and that's the thing i've found it's much easier for me to get opponents if there's a tournament running because somehow the structure of a tournament um, encourages people to find time in their 
in their schedule for playing some magic. Mm. Um, yeah, but if anyone listening is is interested in uh, building a deck and joining one of these events, I encourage you to do so. actually won with the the deck that we are to talk about now right yes it it played really well in the event i played a few games outside of the event and uh didn't do so well uh but certainly my matchups in the event were pretty good for me uh, including my match against orland Mm -hmm. so what's the deck what what does it do it's a mono red chocolate deck um i can i can explain where the deck started because it's quite different now from where it began so the the thing that i realized was that the best opening in ice age is thorn glaciers and then turn two activate thorn glaciers and then on turn three if you're dreaming up you know your ideal curve turn three is either knight of stromgeld and replay Thor and Glaciers tapped, or it's play an untapped land, play a three drop. And then the interesting thing is if you go for the untapped land three drop curve, the curve actually starts all over again um, from turn four. So on turn four, you play your Glaciers tapped again and you have three mana for another three drop. Mm-hmm. And then on turn five, you play an untapped land from your hand, you play another three drop and then you have one mana to activate Thorn Glaciers. And so you end up going three drop into three drop into three drop into double three drop. And so, yeah, in this in this dream scenario, all you need in your deck is three drops. Uh-huh. And that turns out to be really nice because red has both Stone Rain and Pillage. So you can be doing your Thorn Glaciers, uh, you know, uh, game while also depriving your opponent of Thorn Glaciers. Uh, and then Red has some other decent three drops. So the first version of the the predecessor to this deck had um, Stone Rain, Pillage, Storm Shaman, Balduvian Barbarians. That's just a vanilla 3-2 for three mana, which is actually <laughs> above curve for Ice Age. And of course, Phyrexian Warbeast, which really is above curve. It's a three mana, three, four artifact creature. Um, And so the idea was just to play three drops and see what would happen. And I realized that I was only going to get Thorn Glaciers maybe 60% of the time, um, assuming that I mulliganed aggressively to try to find it. Uh, But that version of the deck actually played two copies of Jeweled Amulet. because Jeweled Amulet also works well in a deck full of three drops because you get to play the Amulet and a Mountain on turn one, charge the Amulet, and then on turn two, you can play your first three drop. And then on turn three, you get to play another three drop. And then it starts all over again. On turn four, you can play a three drop and charge the Amulet, Mm. um, assuming that you're hitting every single land drop. So I built this deck and um, the problem, well, there were two problems with the deck. One problem was that um having a deck with nothing but three drops is quite a high risk uh 
thing to do. Sometimes someone would destroy one of my lands and I would get stuck at two mana for several turns and actually have nothing to do. And then the other thing that I realized is that some of the cards just aren't that great. So Storm Shaman is one of the really good creatures in the format, but it doesn't really fit into this plan of like playing a three drop every turn because you need to pump it yeah <laughs> you're, you're never pumping it and what yeah. what ended up happening was i would have a hand and it would have say two storm shamans and phyrexian war beast and i'd be too scared to just run out the war beast and so i'd play a storm shaman instead because i thought if i play the war beast and it gets destroyed i'm going to lose a land i'm going to be back to two lands i don't have another land in hand i'm i'm going to be screwed so I ended up being so fearful with my war beasts that I would just play out the storm shamans and they actually don't do anything unless your opponent is trying to attack you with weenies. Hmm. So yeah, I realized there were some nice things about the deck. I love Thorn Glaciers. I loved all the land destruction, but I thought, okay, what if I give up on this three drop plan, add some four drops, and then I got to play with Chaos Harlequin and Voldivian Horde. And so that's that's the next uh, change that I made. And then realizing how good Jockelhops could be was sort of the last piece mm. of the puzzle. Um, and so I can, I can give you a, a rough outline of this deck. It's 20 mountains, four thorn glaciers. So that's a pretty standard mana base in this format. Then it has 12 spells. It has the four stone rains, four pillages, two Jockelhops and two pyrokinesis. And then it has uh, some Orcish Librarians, Storm Shamans, uh, Phyrexian War Beasts, Chaos Harlequins, and Voldivian Hordes. So quite a few creatures. And the nice thing is that apart from the Librarians, uh, everything has at least four toughness. So Incinerate and Lava Burst are both pretty ineffective against this deck. And also uh, Contagion. Um, Contagion doesn't really even fully stop a Balduvian Horde. Um, mm. And then the only other cards in the deck are Zuranorb, Lodestone Bauble, and Elkin Bottle. Um, yeah. And so it's a pretty simple game plan. It's just Stone Rain and Pillage, all of their glaciers, build up to six mana with your own Thorn Glaciers, and then play Jockelhorps and recover afterwards. How, how did you lose, Orlan? Or you mentioned it being good against Necro. Is it because of the threats or is it because yeah. of the land destruction? Uh, or? The land destruction stops my glaciers. We had a glaciers war in the finals. Um, I think we had like five glaciers in the in the graveyards. Uh, <laughs> and basically, yeah. And then, then he plays creatures, which I can't contagion. Game one is my only answer. Uh, and then I get Necro locked or run out of cards and wasn't able to kill him. Yes, uh, and when we say necro-locked, this is necro-locked after Jockelhorps, which is much, much worse. I mean, yeah. being necro-locked is never good, but um, essentially all I had to do against you, I think, was get to six mana and play Jockelhorps. Um, and if you had necro in play, um, that just meant that I had turn after turn card advantage just through my draw step and I mean for you to recover to the point that you could start gaining meaningful life from cards like Soulburn just seemed pretty hard yeah. to imagine yeah uh, if I don't if I don't get lucky and have a, a soul ring in uh, a certain orb in play when you played um, exactly. when you played the yoga and I can gain 12 
which is right. draw 12. Uh, but uh, that's that's a slim chance. And my, my creatures are worthless against this. Uh, like the Abyssal Spectres can attack, like, but then I, if I play a Abyssal Spectre in a night, then you can Pyrokinesis both of them. Uh, my Contagion doesn't kill your creatures. Um, and which you're not is a, playing Dark Banishing or in the sideboard. Like I play four okay. Dark Banishing in the sideboard, which I brought in like most matchups actually. Um, mm. uh, but there's also a lot of like small, uh, I don't know, like chamberish things you can do, right? Tell me about the Elkin bottle and. Uh, the orcish librarian right mm -hmm. and the harlequin you have something yes. going on there right oh yeah there's there's a lot of uh synergy here so the elkin bottle is actually a really important card in the deck it's a three mana artifact you can pay three and tap it to reveal the top card of your library and until the beginning of your next turn you can play it as though it were in your hand. So if it's a land, you can play it, assuming it's your turn. Um, and uh, it works really nicely in a deck like this because um, the casting costs are so clustered around three and four um, that by the time you get to, if you're in a position where you have six lands in play, an untapped land in hand and a bottle, then any single card that you hit is going to be playable. So you can pay three and activate it. If you hit a land, you can obviously play it. If you hit a three drop, you can play it. If you hit, say, Baldivian Horde, you can play an untapped land from your hand and then play the Horde. So the, the bottle is the long-term card advantage in this deck, aside from, of course, the, the Glaciers. But the bottle also has really nice synergy with, first of all, Lodestone Bauble, um, because you can put a land on the top to guarantee that you're going to be able to get value from the bottle, mm. uh, but also with the librarian. So Orcish librarian, it has the amazing... on the librarian or the, the bottle uh, of the librarian. <laughs> yeah, so the, 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 the bauble can set up a guaranteed hit with the bottle. So one thing you might do is say, okay, in my upkeep, I'm going to activate the uh, bauble to put one mountain on top of my library and then activate Elkin Bottle to reveal the mountain and then draw for my turn and then put that mountain into play. Mm. Uh, but another common pattern is to get the Orcish Librarian going. He has amazing Philfolio artwork um, and a crazy ability, which lets you uh, essentially shuffle the top eight cards of your library, remove four of them at random from the game and then rearrange the other four. So it's a, quite blue feeling card mm. uh, for it's, a red deck like, it feels including the art it's a uh, browse yeah uh, <laughs> it's maybe the browse uh, i don't know he works in the same library at least maybe yeah <laughs> <laughs> they have i hadn't noticed that connection but that's that's so true um but just to give you an example of of a real thing that happened to me uh in a game was um i activated the librarian in my upkeep. Um, so obviously four cards got removed from the game. I looked at the other four cards. I decided which one to put on top and I drew that one. And then I had also decided which one to put second. I activated Elk and Bottle, revealed it, played it. 
So, okay, that was two more cards gone. And then I also had Chaos Harlequin in play. So at the end of my opponent's turn, I activated Chaos Harlequin twice to remove the top two cards uh, from the game. And they were both mountains. I'd, I'd set it up that way. Mm. But what you can see is that just in that one turn cycle, I used eight cards from my library. Yeah. So you don't have that many turns of uh, burning through your library like this before you start wondering whether you're going to be decked. And that's one mm. of the downsides of, of this sort of package is that um, all of these cards, the Librarian, the Elkin Bottle, and the Chaos Harlequin are consuming your library. And yeah. this deck doesn't play Soul Devi Digger, so there's no... There's, um, there's just a bauble that helps you in... The, in the very late game, the yeah. can buy you a few turns. Yeah, yes. maybe two turns, right? Because it's yeah. four cards, so... And you need but to... But it can trips, so... Yeah. yeah, it's not as many turns as you hope. So you're... Maybe it's optimal doing that, as you mentioned. You, you set it up in a way. Uh, yeah. So when you get to enough mana, you you want to, you need to do stuff like all the time. And then you can, you don't have to, you can put away the wrong cards and you can sift through the stuff you need in a way. Yeah. And the, the thing that's interesting, so we should probably say what Chaos Aliquin does. It's a four mana, two, four. And it has an activated ability uh, that lets you uh, remove the top card of your library from the game. Uh, if it's a land, the Chaos Harlequin loses four power until end of turn. If it's not a land, the Harlequin gains two power until end of turn. So there's some uh, interesting mind games that can arise uh, when you activate the Librarian in your upkeep, stack the cards, and then attack with Chaos Harlequin. And they have to decide whether you stacked your library so that you could pump the harlequin <laughs> or whether you stacked it so that you could do what i mentioned previously which is attack pass the turn and then remove some mountains yeah uh, you did cards so, do you want to get rid of cards or do you want to hit hit hard yeah exactly yeah. okay yeah i think the most fun aspect of the deck for me is the eight land destruction cards <laughs> <laughs> but the land destruction doesn't work that way in this format, right? You just need it to... Uh, maybe this is the format with the most uh, important land cards, in a way. It could be. Uh, because of Keldron Outpost and the Thawing Glaciers. In a way, Lake of the Dead, right? Yeah, it's actually know. a bit of a shame um, that the other... Alliances lands don't see play. I mean, I think Balduvian Trading Post is actually a decent card, but no, no one will ever play it because it's just asking for two for ones. Yeah. And I have seen people play uh, Sol Devi Excavations. Um, at least then you're blue and you might have counter spells to fight the land mm. destruction. But in general, I think just playing basics is usually the way to go. I mean, Lake of the Dead is more of a it's more of a sorcery in a way. If you play it well, then you're going to get value from it the turn you you play it, and losing it the turn after is not necessarily the end of the world because hopefully you've played uh, you've played what's the card? Mind warp. Yes. Yeah. And you've taken your opponent's <laughs> hand away. So okay, you lose your your lake after that, but it was kind of a double dark ritual anyway. We we don't have uh, like mind twist. We have mind warp and mind. <laughs> 
Ravel, right? Mind Ravel, yes. <laughs> Those are the and the Spectre, not Hypnotic Spectre, the uh, what? The much worse cousin, the Abyssal Spectre. <laughs> abyssal Spectre, okay, yeah. Uh, but are there any other? We don't have Blood Moon, but we have some sideboard cards. Uh, but that those are more directed at lands that not those lands, not the uh, <laughs> the glaciers and the children outposts, but we have anarchy and some other stuff, right? Do you have anything yeah. else? We have thermocratis, is that called the? So we have stone rain pillage and what more land destruction do we? Thermocast in green, yeah, and icequake in black. Okay, icequake um, also. And then yeah. some people have tried conquer which lets you steal a land. And some people have even tried Orcish Squatters, uh, which is a creature that steals a land every time it, it attacks and is not blocked. Um, and there's also Fumarole, which is a, a black-red sorcery that destroys a land and a creature. Ah, um, it's a sorcery. Okay. Yeah, it's it's interesting, though, because against Counterpose, for example, it might be uncastable because the opponent might not have any creatures or you may be forced to target your own creature to destroy your opponent's glaciers. So yeah, I don't you think need that to target to, uh, like with the dust to dust in a way, right? Yeah, yeah. And you're paying three life for five doing that, yeah. But I mean, in ideal circumstances, you're destroying Balduvian Horde and Thorn Glaciers. I mean, that would be amazing. Mm. That's but, that's how you build decks. You think, <laughs> think of the most amazing thing that can happen and then you try to make them happen. Yes. Uh, uh, the sideboard of this red deck is actually pretty interesting because the cards are quite focused on specific cards that they're trying to answer. Um, the sideboard has two Gorilla Shamans that are basically just in there for Zuranorb decks, which is most decks in the format actually. <laughs> um, but they're also really good in the late, late game. It's not out of the question that you can drop a Gorilla Shaman and instantly destroy an Icy Manipulator and then untap and do it again the next turn. Uh, but mainly it's in there just to pick off Zurin Orbs. And the reason that's so important is that um, we're playing Jockle Hops. And as Orlan mentioned a minute ago, um, it's a big swing to be able to sacrifice lands and gain life in response to Jockle Hops, especially when playing Necro. Um, so the Shaman is in there to take away that possibility mm. then there's Kaplus and yeti uh, from the booster uh, booster packs uh, it's a five mana three three that taps to fight another creature so this is amazing against ivory gargoyle at least in theory mm -hmm. uh, because you can potentially lock them out or at least force them to uh, remove their own ivory gargoyle from the game yeah that's how not with <laughs> with Stormbind, uh, Olerade won the uh, yeah. 96 Pro Tour by locking out the Ivory Gargoyle. So he could draw, he could find his land drops, right? I don't exactly remember how it went down, but locking out Ivory Gargoyle, that's uh, something you need to address. Yeah, and eventually I think he was just going to win by attacking with Vintwon Elves. It didn't matter at that point. We might mention also that you getting out of the uh, lock for the Ivory Gargoyle player is uh, by exiling 
the ivory gargoyle for five yeah but, but in a ducal hop scenario that is you can't do that right they may not have that yeah and then the probably the um the two interesting cards in the sideboard are, are incinerate and ice flow so incinerate is a card that i really dislike because every time i draw it against counterpost i feel that i just drew a blank um but i did feel that i needed I needed some more answers to, well, potentially cards like Abyssal Spectre. It's not a particularly powerful card. And as Orlan said, I do play Pyrokinesis, so um, I do have a main deck answer to it. But a turn two Abyssal Spectre against this deck is quite scary. Mm. Um, so I just wanted to have some protection against that. And then Ice Flow is in there as an answer to Phantasmal Fiend because Phantasmal Fiend is just um, such, a, such a difficult creature to answer. Um, someone recently called it the Morphling of the format, mm. and I'd say it actually feels a lot like Morphling. It's got that you know, ability to change its size, um, and uh, it can usually become just the right size uh, for the situation. So that's, that's another factor when building decks in this format, if you have a creature whose power and toughness add to six, that is so much better than a creature whose power and toughness add to five. So that was one of the reasons that I realized I did not like Balduvian Barbarians, the vanilla 3-2. Even though a 3-2 for three is great value, um, all the opponent has to do if they have Phantasmal Fiend is pump the Fiend once to a 2-4, and then they take out the... Uh, they take out the barbarians, whereas uh, a creature with power and toughness equal to six, like Chaos Harlequin, um, is always going to trade with the fiend. Because um, whatever they do, they're either um, both surviving or both dying in mm. the exchange. Um, but yeah, I lost I lost some games to my opponent playing Phantasmal Fiend and um, just attacking four times with a 5-1. Um, and I decided okay, that's too big to burn, but I could bring in Ice Flow and try to tie it down that way. What does and Ice Flow do up. then? Um, it's a land that doesn't tap for mana. Um, you can tap it to uh, basically lock down a creature, that it, a creature without flying that is attacking you. Hmm. Um, you still take combat damage, but you can choose not to untap the Ice Flow, and then essentially the creature becomes stranded on the Ice Flow. That's, and you tap it for as long as you need to. That makes sense. And it's a reversed uh, Mesa Vitha in a way also. Yeah, it actually it feels a lot fairer than Mesa Vith. You mm. still take the hit and um, there are no shenanigans with, you know, giving your own creatures vigilance or anything like that. It's just just doing what it was intended and, and nothing unintended. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you mentioned yeah the primal justice that wasn't really you, you mostly needed to get rid of the suran orbs uh, yeah primitive justice primitive justice, can, yeah. can be amazing um the best thing i've ever done with it it was really something that i i'd been putting it in every single red sideboard um and hoping that this day would come and eventually it did come <laughs> and uh, my opponent already knew that i had access to primitive justice but he guessed that I only had one copy, he guessed correctly, um, and he decided to play a second Phyrexian Warbeast 
and I was able to destroy two Phyrexian Warbeasts <laughs> and two lands with one card. Um, I still lost that game somehow, but uh, that was such a sweet feeling. That wasn't important. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> People should know when they're conquered. What you, Quintus? What I? So we talked about the sideboard and we talked about the deck and like when we starting out uh, when we talked about having this uh, conversation we really wanted to talk about this deck and alice in general uh, it seemed like you now you're on a different venture you uh, kind of sensed it when you talked about you started talking about pox instead <laughs> like instantly when we we started talking uh, so I'm guessing you're not changing anything. Uh, I do have moment. some some ideas actually okay. based on the event. So mm. Pyrokinesis consistently overperformed. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think this deck definitely wants a third copy of Pyrokinesis. In the main though. Um, in the main, yeah. And Jockelhorps was basically the win card. So I think adding a third Jockelhorps... Um, is a good idea and actually adding those two cards together makes a lot of sense because um the second chocolate hops is probably a dead card but having three copies of pyrokinesis is a good outlet for that extra red card so those are the first two cards i I want to add um i actually want to cut the entire cute package i think the librarians um are actually they're too powerful. They just they <laughs> they remove too many cards. Um, the ability is great, but you don't um, want them in your library. No, you 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 end up you end up with Elkin Bottle in play, thinking, ah, if only I still had these you know sixteen cards in my library, I could be essentially drawing two cards a turn. Instead, I'm trying to devise ways to avoid being decked. Um, so yeah, on top of that, it's the only card that that dies to incinerate. It's the only creature that dies to contagion. So yeah, I think cutting the like li- it's at least something I want to try, cutting the librarian and the harlequin, and then uh, trying something that uh, uh, Brendan McBain uh, tried. He, he played a very similar red deck actually that he arrived at independently. And we played some friendly games and he crushed me. And one of the cards that he crushed me with was Goblin Mutant. Uh, which is a mm, yeah. four on a five three trampler. I love that card. And one of the things that I noticed when I was playing this deck is that some of the cards in this deck are amazing as follow ups to Jockle Hops. So I mean, when you see me counting my lands and getting up to nine, you can expect that I'm trying to play Baldivian Horde after hopsing away nine lands. So hops floating three Horde and uh, one untapped land from hand. Um, Phyrexian Warbeast is also great. Um, if you can get to eight mana, Horps, play a land, play Warbeast. But then 
obviously Storm Shaman is is lackluster. <laughs> um, and similarly, Chaos Harlequin is not that great. I mean, you get a 2-4 creature that can sometimes attack for 4, but sometimes doesn't attack at all. Mm. Um, and that's when I realized, wow, Goblin Mutant as a 5-3 would end the game so quickly after Jockle Hops. Mm. And I think it's just better than Chaos Harlequin. Um, and people are not instead. playing that many incinerates, like at least not in the main in this format. Yeah, that that is the problem. You end up you end up um, giving people a target for incinerate. But one thing that I did notice that somewhat surprised me was that incinerate is usually not a dead card, even if all the creatures have more than three toughness. And the reason is that you end up in combat. Um, and the other player is able to uh, do something like, for example, um, the other player might uh, attack with Phyrexian Warbeast, you block it with Storm Shaman, and they finish off the Storm Shaman with Incinerate. Um, so, yeah, it's pretty hard to play in any sort of creature combat uh, game. Um, and never give your opponent an opportunity yeah. to one for one you with an incinerate. Mm. So I'm not too worried about that. And the other thing is, if you're playing at post hops, they have to have incinerate and two untapped lands, um, kind of in their hand, ready to go. Um, and some people won't won't be ready for it, or they just won't have drawn that many uh, that many that many lands that game, and they won't get to incinerate it before it attacks three times or whatever. Mm. So anyway, it's something to try. Um, the other card I think deserves a spot is Lava Burst. And um, it's quite obvious, I guess, that a deck with so many lands and throwing glaciers and these long, long games can play Lava Burst. But the the other thing that I like about playing Lava Burst is it gives answers to cards like Knight of Stromgeld and um, Abyssal Spectre, yeah. and it might save me some space in my sideboard because if I had a couple of, la of Lava Bursts along with three copies of Pyrokinesis, I probably wouldn't need Incinerates in the sideboard. But no love for the Meteor Shower. <laughs> I do have one Meteor Shower in my Pox deck, but no, I don't think this is the deck for Meteor Shower necessarily. We have the Ultimate Sweeper in Jockelhops. Hmm. Uh, but there is one other card that I'm planning to try in this deck, a single copy of Ice Cauldron. Ah, and okay. That is one of the weirdest cards, maybe the weirdest card in Ice Age. Yeah. It's a four mana artifact. You can pay any amount of mana and tap it to set aside a spell from your hand. It can't be a land, it has to be a spell. You record the amount of mana that you uh, stored in the cauldron, and the cauldron then gets a charge counter and when it has a charge counter it loses that first ability and it can only be used to let you uh, play uh, the most recently removed card um, and get a discount on its cost so for example you have 10 mountains in play at the end of your turn you pay 10 mana at the end of your opponent's turn pay 10 mana um, tap the cauldron set aside a lava burst You've set aside 10 mana and your Lava Burst. Untap, play one more land, tap for 11, activate the uh, Cauldron and Lava Burst for 20. That's that's how the Cauldron can work. And the reason I think it could be good in this deck is that I was looking for ways to uh, cast Jockle Hops without losing six lands in the process. 
So one way to do that is with Astrolabe, which is this uh, artifact that cantrips and uh, actually generates you two mana for one. Um, so you can you can uh, use it as sort of a mini dark ritual on the turn that you want to cast the Horps. But another thing that might be good is Ice Cauldron. You can play Ice Cauldron on turn four. You can activate it on turn five and set aside Jockle Horps. You've already uh, paid, paid five yeah. sixths of its cost. Then on the next turn, you can tap five more mana. You can then cast the Horps and you then have four mana floating for your Baldivian Horde or Goblin Mutant. Yeah, so, I found I found the Ice Cauldron when sifting through decks. Uh, one deck was using it, like you mentioned, for the X spells, but also for like uh, mind warp. Or yeah, you can use yeah. it in many ways, as you mentioned. I yeah, I didn't even think about Jukal Hopes, but that's my that might even be the best way of. Uh, it, it, it. It's one of the weirdest cards ever made in Magic because the the text is so weird. Yeah. Uh, on on Ice Cauldron, it's like you can ask a lot of people. Ex- uh, what exactly does Ice <laughs> Cauldron do? Uh, not just about what it does, but what does it exactly do? And almost no one can say what it actually exactly does. Yeah. Um, because you put yeah, counters and you take away car, put, put away cards, and you record and... the exact amount of mana you stored in it, and like <laughs> yeah, right. But yeah. you can play any of the cards that you've exiled, not just the one that you most recently exiled yeah. that you have mana saved for. You can just pay the full price for any of the other cards. Yeah. And what's surprising is that you can do that even if the ice cauldron leaves play. So mm. you end up. Play, it, it's a funny game state to be in because you have a, your playmat, you have your library in your graveyard, you have your permanence in play, and then you just have a bunch of sorceries and instants and artifacts and things that are just in this other zone that you might play later. Yeah, and it's yeah. I, I, w- I wish it would have been some kind of other counter also. It's a charge counter you put on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you could have, like, this is my bucket of ice. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, okay, so it's flavorful also. Uh, Orlan, what, what are you thinking? You play this deck. Uh, would you change anything otherwise? I played against this deck. Yeah, I yeah, lost. Yeah, I, I, lo- I lost twice that. against uh, David, and I would have lost uh, lost against uh, Bane, but he got unlucky and mm-hmm. missed the land drop at a critical turn. Okay. Uh, so yeah, and he played he played annoying card against me, which was Ice Manipulator, which meant I never could attack. Mm. Like I had creatures, and he was like, "I don't have nothing, but you can't attack." Yeah. And then he played Ice Manipulator number two, and then number three, and it's like, yeah, I'm not winning this. <laughs> he started tapping random lands and whatever. It's like, yeah, yeah, I know what you're gonna do every upkeep now. Mm. Um, yeah, icy yeah. manipulator is super strong. Yeah, because uh, you need to address it. But uh, as you mentioned, you have the war beasts, and you have some targets for artifact destruction. But I don't know, disenchant. If you're meeting white, I guess maybe they have some main answers. But uh, yeah. So actually, in my friendly against uh, Brendan. The ICs were so great in the mirror, and the reason was that we had these standoffs where we might both have Balduvian Horde, 
and um, neither of us was attacking, but then he would play Icy Manipulator, tap my horde, attack me for five, and then um, I would untap and pillage his Icy Manipulator, but decide not to attack him back for five because uh-huh. I felt my life was more precious than his, so I would then keep my horde back to defend again, and he would then drop another Icy. So each Icy was trading one for one with pillage, but also doing five damage, which felt totally unfair. Yeah. Yeah, you have the pillage also, right? Yeah, the red has pillage and... Okay. Uh, but And we don't even need to mention putting in another color. <laughs> that, that's a no-no right now, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, for this deck, I think red <laughs> is sufficient. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, um, I think that one thing with this deck, if you if you come as as me come from another format, you look at this deck and it looks like garbage. <laughs> uh, it plays eight land destruction main deck, which is terrible in all other formats. It's like uh, random Yukulhaus and baubles <laughs> and uh, what the hell is this? Like, yeah. but yeah, uh, and then. Um, then you end up go 5-0 with it anyway. <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, that's a thing to learn about uh, Alice, I think. This is a good... Uh, I wanted to take this deck because this shows how deep this format actually is. Um, it's a good learning moment. forward uh, before we leave uh, Orlan, you have you put aside your necro deck uh, yeah yeah I'm um, I'm deciding what I'm gonna play um, uh, I'm yeah I have some different decks I'm looking at um, I'm getting more I don't have all the cards yet um, because it's so annoying to order these cheap cards and it's like <laughs> You need to get the the value and yeah. uh, skip some postage. And you've stuff been like showing that. me your like what you've been buying, and you always have like some weird cards put in. Yeah, I just needed to get for the postage or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and it's like it's like um, yeah, I'm on the in this weekend. I'm gonna post a, uh, some more mail calls on my blog, and you can see all the weird. I buy white border stuff. I buy foreign black border stuff. I buy Isage alliances and Swedish legal stuff and pre-modern cards I never will play and stuff like that. Yeah, that's my Corona hobby. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of hooked. I need to get the set. I feel, I feel I need to get like I'm starting with Isage, I think, but I've started ordering stuff so I can start playing soon. Uh, I mentioned that I was looking at some kind of uh, Jund. I don't know what what, you, you, what Jund is in uh, old school or at that time, but it's a green, black, red deck with, yeah, some of the cards we mentioned, but I really like uh, Nature's Lore. Uh, I don't know if it's even good in this format. I probably will be crushed and have a learning moment uh, also. But uh, yeah, pillage, uh, nature's lore, that's where I'm starting somewhere. <laughs> I also like nature's lore. Yeah. Uh, and where, where are you going now, uh, deck-wise? Well, I keep getting caught by Pox. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's an intriguing card to try to build around. Um, every time I think I've solved it, I then end up playing against something that I didn't expect and realizing just how how little the deck tends to do because Pox is one of those cards that it's sort of like my kryptonite because it encourages playing lots of baubles um, and yeah you, you basically start convincing yourself that yeah playing three copies of Soul Devi Digger main deck is totally right um, because you end up losing some games due to decking when you were only playing two of the main deck and then you play against someone with creatures and you have a handful of Cards like Elkin Bottle, Soul Devi Digger. Um, you have a Pox, but your opponent has two creatures. And yeah, it, it, Pox is one of those cards that feels completely um, unfair some of the time and then just doesn't do the right thing in other games. Hmm. Um, but I'm, I'm really, I'm sure that there's some deck that has the Elkin Bottle, Soul Devi Digger engine um i i I played against somebody and just essentially got to draw uh every turn i was drawing icequake because i had no cards left in my library so every turn i would pay two to dig back icequake draw icequake pay three to play icequake pay two to dig back icequake pay three to activate elkin bottle revealing icequake and then pay another three to play the icequake so i I could double icequake every turn and it didn't take too many turns of that to get a concession that's how um, magic was intended <laughs> yeah some somehow it feels it feels wrong because uh it reminds me of yogmos but uh yogmos will yeah, okay, um, okay. and it feels like i should be exiling yeah a card. or it's it's like flashback somehow mm. it feels like flashback in that context so it feels it's like, like you're how cheating. do i do it twice a turn <laughs> and still put it back into my library yeah. for next turn i yeah. i like the sound like how it when you you talk about the, the cards like what to do it sounds more like old school magic because of it still feels like spells and you're doing all this uh, stuff yeah. you have a bottle and you, <laughs> you you're making some <laughs> ice quake and you're doing mm-hmm. like all the there's still this i can almost feel the uh, cards in a way like or the spells uh, like and if you're bringing in some hordes or you're putting in an orc in your library or whatever <laughs> so that's that's why i really love like old school and i feel this uh, yeah hopefully i will find it fun to play also i hope so too it's it's like um it's a, like a fair version fair version of old school like all the cards feel so fair when people play like oh you play a five-one uh, nats for 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 four mana, but you have to pay cumulative upkeep. It's like, okay, yeah, you can beat me for five, and then it dies. That's okay. Hmm. <laughs> so, like, yeah. if people want to try this format out, uh, maybe you could. Uh, <laughs> but we, we're not doing bans, right? In this format, everything is allowed. But maybe if some. <sighs> I don't know when these times people are playing online, we live globally, nothing matters, whatever. But <laughs> if you are like four or five people playing this format, uh, what, what bans or what could you try out if you're feeling it getting stale? I think banning Zero Orb would be interesting. And I believe that that is one of the two cards that is officially banned in Ice Age block, as 
as far as that's a sanctioned format. Mm -hmm. um, and the reason is that the, the, the aggressive creatures with maybe two exceptions, Knight of Stromgeld and um, Frexian Warbeast, are so underpowered. And doing 20 damage with these weak creatures and a few incinerates is a, is a tall order. But then when you're told, no, not 20, 34 damage, yeah. um, it's, just, it's just impossible for many decks. So I think that would be an interesting thing to try. The, the only thing is that um, a lot of the decks that I like to play with do use the orb. Um, so I might not be the person <laughs> Try to try it. that. But if there were an Ice Age event happening and I could join it and I w couldn't play with my orbs, yeah, I would totally play with some other deck and enjoy it. Mm. I think that's the interesting one. The other card that could clearly be banned as a trial is Thorn Glaciers. But I don't think that would necessarily be good for the format, partly because Thorn Glaciers is the best mana fixer if you want to play three colors or something then throwing glaciers is going to help a lot with that um and partly just because it is part of the format and i i don't know anyone who plays ice age who actually hates yeah. throwing glaciers um it's sort of like it's Library not a gotcha card it's not a like uh, library of alexandria like okay you had it in your starting hand then oh uh, maybe it, maybe it, if it's restricted, maybe people feel worse about it. I don't know. <laughs> that's a good point, actually, yeah. And one of the nice things about Thorn Glaciers is how good it makes five, six-card hands in this format. You can really mulligan to five, mm. have a hand with Thorn Glaciers, and feel that you're totally equal with someone with a seven-card hand. Yeah. It just makes such a difference. Yeah. And uh, so, well, people can try out what they like, of course, but, uh, and I think maybe they should just like uh, join the Discord, get some people together or whatever, uh, but, but start getting the nice cards of Ice Age and uh, Alliances of Feel. There's, there aren't that many expensive cards. Start by getting uh, Glaciers, uh, then you can build like, what you what are there even any yeah okay we have force of will yeah so the glaciers most people even know the force of will so yeah uh, so and it's not even necessarily played in counterpost yeah um, a good player from New Zealand he decided to play four forces in his sideboard mm. um, he just decided power sync was better mm. in the main deck. Um, and I, I do have one deck that really heavily relies on Force of Will, but um, it's actually not seen very often. I would say Arcane Denial probably gets played five times as much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we have a lot of counter spells anyhow. Uh, and we have the Hydroblasts and the Pyroblasts and whatever. So uh, have we left anything out, guys? Uh, we punched through this as much as we can. So, uh, Olan, anything else? No, I ju just want to say to people who want to try it out, uh, try to build a deck uh, and build something fun. Uh, and don't try to scour every page on the internet for deck lists. Mm. It's a lot of fun to just 
just uh, take um, an established deck list you have found and just put in some weird cards like Orcish Librarian or and Chaos Harlequin. Just add it. it. Your deck is probably not gonna get much worse anyway. It's like <laughs> you have to have some bad cards in your in your deck anyway. So. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that's that's my ending point for this. Yeah, I I, I kind of have the same approach. I just looked at some decks like from before and now but uh, i feel more like i need to play with certain cards and then i just go from there i guess uh, yeah i think there's value in looking at a few decks just to get a sense of what you need to compete with yeah and not so much to copy them yeah and i think we talked about what you need to address and uh, what you might need to start with <laughs> the glaciers and monowise and whatever uh, so uh, thank you for joining us, uh, David Chambers. No problem. Thanks for chatting. It's always fun. <laughs> and thank you for being here, Orland. Where can we find you or your format or whatever, uh, Mr. David Chambers? Are you a doctor, by the way? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. Phew. Although my initials are DR. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. If I write it in uppercase, <laughs> because uh, I called Jordan Mister and he, uh, uh, okay. he he got mad at me because mm-hmm. he he's actually a doctor. So I'm I'm trying to take away that abbreviation, but it just slipped out now. No, I am not a doctor. <laughs> but um, but in terms of finding me, uh, definitely the Discord is a good place. Um, I'm not too good at using Discord, um, so I don't know how to make it permalink for people to follow to join it seems to only last for 24 hours i don't know whether there's a setting i could change hmm. but anyway if you uh if you have some way of writing to me or to uh one of you two um there'll be a way to get a link it's a public discord but yeah you just need to get the invitation yep and uh Olan, where can we find you and your adventures online yeah, you can find me at uh, Aginamist at uh, Twitter and um, my blog, or just Google it. Or if you see someone named Åland, it's me. Uh, yeah, and and you're not a doctor. Uh, no, sadly not. You're a, you're a lone gunman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I do conspiracy theories at all. Yeah, and uh, this is Assistant Director Seb. Uh, signing off. Thank you, guys. And now play the rest of the song for us. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I will spare the listeners. Okay. Bye, guys. So, bye.